Welcome to Shit We Do For Love, the podcast where we delve deep into the gap between our human need for love and connection and our secret belief that we're not really good enough to be loved. This gap has us forever trapped in people-pleasing, procrastination and perfection and all sorts of nonsense as we try to measure up and be the person we've been told is worthy of love, all the while missing the truth about how amazing we already are. I'm your host, the Love Your Bloody Self coach, Wendy Windle. Fancy having boundaries that get back time for you? Then head to wendywindle.com to pick up your free guide, because never having time for ourselves is just some more shit we do for love. Do you let yourself have fights? Are you able to say what you need in your marriage, even if you think what you need is maybe a bit petty and you should get over yourself? Sally-Ann is your divorce wing woman, the woman you hope you don't want to need. She's happily divorced, a single mom of two, and passionate about changing the way couples and families experience divorce. She's a relationship and divorce coach, helping clients decide whether to stay or leave a relationship, navigate divorce with less drama, and reclaim and liberate themselves, whatever they decide, so they can choose the life, love, and relationship they truly deserve. She's just a bit amazing. I love this chat with Sally. We get into some really awkward conversations about how to have hard conversations. She's the real deal. She's a certified life coach who decided to narrow down and really help women going through divorce. She'll chat about that more in the pod. We're about to get into it. Is an amicable divorce even a thing? Can you turn a relationship around once the D word has been mentioned? How to tell if you can save a marriage? And why is it so hard to just say what we want when we're in relationships? Listen, if you're not in a relationship and you're like, maybe I'll just skip on to the next one. This is one of those conversations that I wish I had listened to when I was single. And (laughs) if you are in a relationship that's maybe headed for the ski slopes, this is the kind of conversation I wish I'd been privy to back then too. And you know what? If you're all just completely loved up, oh, just go away. Go and enjoy your day. (laughs) Please enjoy Shit We Do For Love, not speaking our need in relationships. Sally-Ann Hartnell, welcome to Shit We Do For Love. I am so excited to get into chatting with you today because we're talking people, relationships, and maybe even taking a little dip in the toe of talking about divorce and the end of relationships but all from the point of view of the shit we do for love not really speaking up about what we need in relationships but sally ann i'm i'm gonna actually do more than dip my toe i'm gonna stick my whole head under the faucet here how did you get into divorce was this a childhood dream (laughs) i don't think i don't think anybody dreams of Um, getting into a divorce but how I got into divorce coaching was actually going through a divorce so Mike my ex-husband and I separated oh I don't know how long ago officially divorced in 2012 and when we were navigating the the not the actual divorce but when we were um, navigating all of the ins and outs the kids the money the stuff that you have to work out before you get divorced I was really looking for that next level support. Mm. I didn't really want 
bulldog lawyers in there. Well, neither of us did. We want it to be really amicable. I had a therapist, but it's it's a process that you know I'd never I'd never done it before. I didn't know what the hell I was doing going through this thing called divorce. So I really wanted someone to help guide me, point out my blind spots. Have you thought about this? Consider this. You need to think about this. This might be coming at you, you know, around the next corner if you're not careful. Those kinds, I was really looking for that next level support didn't exist. Then once we did divorce, I moved to a different community um, uh, with the children and they were seven and five. And Mike and I would turn up to school events, sporting events, parties, you know, all the things. Um and for some time, people in that community didn't actually realise that we were divorced. It was just there with the kids doing the thing that two parents would do. Um, and when people did realise that we were divorced, they're like, oh, I want one like you've got. We're about to get divorced and we want to navigate it so that we can have an amicable, friendly relationship afterwards. So those two things combined, my own desire to find that next level support, which didn't exist mm. when I needed it, and other people asking me for it. I went back retrained as a generalized life coach and now I specialize in divorce. Having said that, I also work with people who are asking the hard questions about divorce. Because again, as I started this work, people were saying, well, where were you when I was still in a relationship? Mm. And it was all going to shit. And I really could have used these, this support, these skills, this knowledge back then. I love that. So you had this gaping hole of need of like, where mm -hmm. is my divorce mentor? Oh my goodness, there's no such thing. You invented the wheel and now share that with other people. Pretty much, yes. That's great. And I I can feel people listening going, ask the follow-up question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to people when they come to you and say, we're headed for divorce? Like if someone's heading to divorce, can you turn that ship around? It really is dependent on the individual couple. Some people will come and say, he's out or she's out, but I want back in. And I find that if one person is really already out, it's hard to reconnect. Mm. But if they're both questioning or if one's just questioning and the other one doesn't even know that they're really questioning or struggling, then it's possible to turn the ship around. Mm. And you're probably going to ask me how, aren't you? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, well, as we, I mean, we talked about it before we started recording, a lot of it comes down to communicating wants, needs, desires. Yeah. Why is it so hard for us, do you think, Sally Ann, to say what we need and want in a relationship? Like just thinking about even, you know, um, I've never been divorced, but I've had long-term relationships that have broken up. And every single one of them was a breakdown in communication, you know, kind of on both sides. What, why is it that we can't say what we want from the person we love most? I think, I, look, it's, it's layered. There are so many layers to it, but I'm going to pick a couple of, of key points. And it is, it tends to be gendered. But it's not only women, but it tends to be gendered. Um, and that's hetero women or, or women in same-sex relationships, whatever. It tends to be gendered because as girls, as women, we are still 
conditioned to be the peacekeeper, be the caregiver, make sure everybody else is okay first, and then maybe have a little bit of time and energy left to tend to our own needs. So for a lot of my clients who identify as female, they don't even know what their needs are. So to then be able to speak them is next level. So I think it's about identifying needs first, feeling into our body, feeling into what's coming up for us to work out what that we actually want and need before you can even speak it. So, it, you know, it circles back to that self-love, um, you know, being self-aware, being self-loving, asking what we want, what we need. And the second thing is about being willing to be vulnerable and repair from from conflict. So healthy relationships aren't, aren't devoid of conflict, but we're not taught how to repair from conflict. So if there's a disagreement, whether it's a full-blown fiery yelling match or whether it's just a niggly argy-bargy thing, he didn't unstack the dishwasher or she didn't put mm-hmm. petrol in the car or they're very gendered stereotypical things, aren't they? Anyway, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whether it's a full-blown shouting match or just that niggly thing that annoys one or the other of us, we're not taught how to address that, how to move through the conflict, find resolution and then heal afterwards. So we tend to push it down, push it away, and that builds a barrier between the two of us, the two the two people in relationship. So it then restricts communication and expression of needs even further. So I think those two things really crash together. And again, there are lots of other layers, but those are two really strong, I'm sorry, really um, powerful things that come up in relationships to block communication, to block us being able to express what we want, what we need. That's such a powerful way to look at it too, is that literally the communication pipes have been blocked. One block Mm -hmm. is we're so busy pleasing the other, worrying about all the little things that we need to do to run life and run this relationship and, and, you know, make our partner happy. And then we're never turning the mirror back to ourselves and saying, what do I need? You know, but then also, yes, when a fight has been fought, how to come back from that? Because we've got many different fighting styles, don't we? You know, like I know that I swim wildly between losing my shit and screaming. But usually that comes after a long bout of shutting up and putting up. You know, it's like there's only so much. And no one's asking me, by the way, to shut up and put up. Again, it's this conditioning, this belief that I'm somehow not allowed to fully express myself. So I do the secret silent treatment instead. I'm not I'm not giving yeah. anyone the silent treatment. I'm giving myself the silent treatment. Like, no, 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 just put up with it. No, 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 just let it go. No, 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 just release it. No, just just let it It's them not re- important. It's not that's important. not important. Just let it it's go. Not let it go. Yeah. You, just just say sorry. Yeah. Just say sorry for whatever you did. And then the argument's over and then we can move on. And doing that enough times will result in a redhead rage. Because doing that, silencing just the small things, um, is self-abandoning. You're actually setting aside what you need in the moment 
And whether that is the damn dishwasher unstacked or whether that is, hey, I just need a hug here. Whatever it is, whatever the need is, you're setting it aside to keep the peace. And you're not keeping the peace. As you said, the the peace is slowly disintegrating inside (laughs) you. And, And it's being eroded to the point where then either someone just walks out of a relationship or there's a massive blow up. What do you say to people when they've had the fight? How do we heal from it? Like, you know, we've had the fight or, you know, stopped ignoring each other. How how do we rebuild that bridge? It takes being vulnerable. Oh, no, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's where you fail, right? Because being vulnerable Mm. is like, it makes most people vomit in their mouths. Like, no. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. Even the word. I know yeah. why. Um, so it does take being being vulnerable and it takes owning your own shot. Mm. So owning your part in it, um, going to your partner and saying, hey, that felt really rubbish. Um, even I'm sorry for X, Y, Z or my part of it. How can we repair this? How can I, how can we make this better? Um, even if you think your partner was the one that kickstarted it and it's their fault, if you can turn it back and go, okay, how did I contribute to this dynamic? And, and, and let's just stay here. We're talking about otherwise healthy relationships. We're not talking about abusive or um, toxic relationship at all. Mm-hmm. So we need, to, we need to make that really, really clear. We're talking about otherwise healthy relationships where you've just had a fight, an argument, a disagreement. So if you can look at your part of the pattern, because there will be relational communication conflict patterns in your in, in this partnership, if you can look at your part and be open enough to go, hmm, yes, I was the one that shut down for six months on that particular topic and then it blew up, mm. so I need to look at my shutting down. You can take that to your partner and say, yeah, I lost I lost it at you for something completely ridiculous. And what was underlying that was I realised I haven't been speaking up about this and this and this. So I'm sorry for blowing up. How can we how can I make that better for you? And actions need to match words. Like you can't just say sorry and not change anything. <laughs> sorry, clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> or even just I'm I'm so sorry, but then change nothing. Action needs to match words, so apologising and then making good by changing the behaviour. And also, if it has been, I said that long fuse that's suddenly blowing, blown. I'm sorry. Look at what the fuse. Look at look at what the longer fuse was telling you. That's yeah. not very eloquent. I'm sorry, but no, but I get it. Look at the behaviour that led to yeah. What, where were you silencing yourself? Where were you not speaking up? I think we've been raised with this idea that when we meet someone that we love, everything will be perfect, right? And I know even just saying that out loud, it's easy to dismiss it and go, oh, no, I don't have that belief. But it's everywhere, every rom-com, every fairy tale, every story we've ever heard about the great loves, right, are 
we meet, we get together and then everything's perfect. Like we don't even fight, like everything's perfect because we're perfect for each other. So I think even it takes vulnerability to even have a fight, isn't it? To like speak. To have have a real healthy fight where you go right through to the end and you repair is a skill. Yeah. It's a learned, it's a learned skill. And yeah, it takes real vulnerability. But they're the healthy relationships. Mm. And yeah, we are we are taught that you'll meet the one and it will be perfect. And that is just that's just bullshit. Um I think being I think you choose the one. You choose the one and then you choose to create something between you. That is solid. I often I like to think about a relationship as two pillars holding up. And listeners, if you could see my hands, I've got my hands <laughs> holding ver- two hands holding vertical, and across the top is a plate. So two pillars holding something up, and the thing that they're holding up is the relationship. But it takes both of you to, to stand sort of strong and solid. Sometimes one will lean over towards the other because you need a little bit of support. Sometimes the other one will lean over. But it's about the two of you creating something between you and being committed to the thing that is your relationship. I don't think there is anybody perfect out there for me, for you, for another person. It's the thing that you create between you. And a lot of that comes down to being willing to have that relationship hold up a mirror to you or your partner hold up a mirror to you and go, ouch, there's there's my stuff, you know. There's the stuff I learned about being in relationship from my family of origin. There's the stuff that I've been, as you said, conditioned to believe that this is all going to be perfect because we're in love. It's not all perfect. You've just got to keep keep moving together and be committed to, um, yeah, healing from rupture, healing from repair, having open lines of communication, accepting that vomit in your mouth, oh, my God, I have to be vulnerable here because that's the only way through to a really healthy relationship. I love that image that you painted too of the two pillars holding up a plate, you know, the relationship being a plate. One, I like that it's a plate because plates can be broken, right? If one Mm -hmm. pillar falls and stops taking care of that plate, that plate's going to break. Like the other pillar can't hold it itself, you know? It does take two to build this relationship and it does take maintenance and care to keep it balanced on top and I think we're all told you know relationships are hard work you've got to work at a relationship and it's healthy I love what you're saying about including having a healthy argument all the way to the end of reconciliation and healing is part of the work of relationships you know it's not just about setting date night or making time for each other or you know remembering each other's birthdays and what each other's favorite ice cream flavor is the actual work is a lot uglier really isn't it it's like i got i gotta show up and hear about myself and be willing to tell you about yourself in honor of this beautiful plate that we're creating together yeah exactly and and i do want to say listeners it's not all ugly there is some beauty in being in relationship. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. Right? Yeah, it's not all <laughs> No. And there are some really simple things that, you know, I see strong, healthy people in strong, healthy relationships do for one another to help support that plate and to help 
you know, to pour love and care and nourishment into it. You know, one of the simple things I say, if, if you're in a challenging relationship, you know, you ask, what can we do? What do I do? Or what can we do if you're feeling like you're out or you're on the verge of separation, divorce? One of the best things you can do in any relationship is make sure that you have time to love yourself and time to really connect and be with your partner. But what if you've been such a good girl that you've spread yourself thin and you've got no time left? Then it's time for some boundaries. My love, go grab your free copy of my mini class, Five Ways to Build Boundaries That Get Back Time for You. It's waiting for you. You're late. It's over at wendywindle.com. That's wendywindle.com. I'll pop a link in the show notes. It'll only take you two minutes. Now, let's get back to this chat with Sally Ann because it's she's about to tell us how to support that beautiful plate and build a healthy relationship. Turning towards one another, really looking at each other and thinking, what can I do today? to make this person's life a little happier, a little easier, a little calmer, you know, whatever it is. What's one thing I can do to nurture the relationship? You know, if we're talking about the plate, what can I tip onto that plate that makes this relationship better? That's a lovely question too, because I think often we show up to relationships with a really solid idea of what we think a relationship needs or a relationship has to have in order to survive you know whether that's um date nights or i need romance or i need you know presence or you know whatever it is or any kind words or i need such kind of five love languages here but Mm. i think it asking what can i do to nurture the other person what do they need what what can i supply for them kind of takes the idea off this giving ourselves what we need and providing for the other what they need, you know, like I've just, I've discovered a simple example. Um, I often need hugs. So my husband will often say to me when I'm like losing it or just stressed out or just having a bad day, he'll just be like, do you want a hug? And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, I always want a hug and he'll come and hug me. And I immediately can face the day when he's upset. And I say, do you want a hug? The answer is always no. Mm. he loves being touched but not when he's in the middle of something he actually needs a bit more physical space to figure it out and it's that's been a huge learning for me to be like okay first of all he's taught me how to ask if it's okay to give a hug because before that I was just going straight in throwing myself around him and he's just like what's going on here do you need a hug (laughs) because I don't so like I'm in trouble and you're taking it's like wow so one learning Mm. to give something and two learning that we're different you know which still blows my mind like what how can you not want a hug but some people don't want a hug (laughs) How can you possibly not want to hug? I'm going to add number three there. Number three is to ask what that person needs in the moment. Mm. So he doesn't need a hug. And you may already know, you may already know the answer to what he would need, but if he doesn't need a hug, what do you need right now? Do you need anything from me right now? How can I support you right now? What can I do for you? Um, That would be the third part of that, I think. Yeah. And, And for couples who've been together a while, 
he already knows that you need a, you regularly need a hug when things are going going down for you. Um, early days, you might not know, and even even in really well established relationships, you might not know what that person needs in the moment. Yeah, diving in with a hug because that's what you would need mm. is different to finding out, exploring what your partner needs. One of the great pieces of advice I got, pieces of advice, put my teeth back in, I got about relationships as well as, again, coming back to this consent thing, is mm. asking if, the, if your partner is in a space to have a deep chat. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm literally calling myself out on this because I'm always in the space for a deep chat, you know. And unless I've got my head in, I'm writing a blog or something. I'm like, no, 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 I'm in a writing zone, leave me. And apart from that, I'm pretty much always ready. So actually mm-hmm. having to learn to say, okay, <laughs> are you in the headspace to have a conversation right now? And if not, can you let me know when you are? Has been a game changer. Because I was getting nowhere, being all geared up for big, important, deep chats. You know, <laughs> like, my poor husband is like, I'm cleaning the car. I know it doesn't look like <laughs> I'm preoccupied, but I am. <laughs> you know, I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And who knows what else is going on in his head while he's cleaning the car. Because that's his yeah. download, his thoughts download, his stress time, you know, when his hands are busy doing something that's really his space to figure his stuff out and here i am going like oh you're not busy brills (laughs) i think it's a real skill and again i don't think we're taught this as children or i certainly wasn't i've tried to teach my own kids who are no longer kids by the way but having hard conversations whether it's about money whether it's about sex whether it's about hey darling i want a divorce whatever it is having the hard conversations and actually uh, we've touched on this already asking for what we need is really crucial to healthy relationships and that goes for intimate partner relationships as well as friendships um conversations with your boss with your colleagues having hard conversations Developing your capacity to do that is it's game changing in terms of yes, love, but just relationships in general. Knowing how to open a conversation, like is this a good time to have a deep conversation, um, and revisiting that if it's not okay, when would be a good time? Can you let me know? Or you know, opening the conversation and then moving through it, allowing each person to speak, learning to be a really strong reflective listener not just waiting for your next turn to speak in conversation um can actually be an absolute game changer for relationships it's this communication communication isn't it and it's funny because we hear this you've got to communicate in relationships and yet like you say we're not taught how we're not taught what that actually means and i think sometimes we can fall into a default i know i certainly have in my life of thinking that communicating is letting somebody know if they've done something to piss me off maybe and feeling, <laughs> like, feeling like, oh, I'm really communicating now and completely forgetting that communication is a two-way street, you know, or getting into the habit of I'm going to tell you all about your shit and what you need to fix and then you're going to tell me yeah. about my shit and what I need to fix and then we're just going to walk away hating each other <laughs> instead of yeah. 
thinking of as this constructive time, right? Mm. Yeah, two way, and allowing allowing the other person to speak to speak right through until they're finished and so guilty of doing this because I know what you're going to say so I'm just going to jump right in oh I I do that all the time (laughs) Uh, you know like perfectly perfect messy work in progress that I am um (laughs) that is that is absolutely still part of my learning you can go and ask my ex-husband you can go and ask my kids classic classic Sally Ann move to go I know what you're saying because I'm really smart and I did right allowing someone to speak all the way through and to finish what they're saying even maybe to pause and think about what they're saying before you launch back in. Maybe ask a clarifying or qualifying question. Okay, so Wendy, I heard you say X, Y, and Z. Is that right? Or I heard you say you when when I do X, you feel Y. Is that what you meant? Then allowing the other person to speak again, then it's your turn to speak. Well, when you do that, I feel like, you know, so it yeah. really developing communication is a whole lot more to do with listening, absorbing and reflecting back to the other person than it is speaking. And if both of you are on that page, your communication is going to be really powerful and healthy. Mm. And again, let's just qualify. We are talking about otherwise healthy relationships whereby you're just having trouble communicating what you want and what you need. This is it is actually a brilliant thing to bring up because I've certainly been in a relationship that was not so healthy where I had to listen in silence to the other person, like not allowed to peep while they got all of their, this is your fault, this is what you do, everything's about you, out all over me. And then they were allowed to, in our dynamic, leave the room and leave me with that. That's toxic. You know, we're not talking about those relationships. We're talking about you're in love, you're together, and you're going to have bumps in the road. And if you're painting that beautiful plate together, our discussions have to be a part of it. And I love this that you're reminding here about the qualifying questions, like just check in. When I started doing this in my marriage, I realized that I was not listening to my husband at all. One, because I too, Sally Ann, already know what everyone's going to say because I'm really smart. We must be like a sister from another mister here. I could finish everyone's sentences, especially my husband's sentences, because I know him so well. He doesn't need to speak. I've got it. I'm four steps ahead of him in every argument. At least I thought I was. (laughs) Until Mm -hmm. I started reflecting back what I thought I heard him speak and 99% of the time I was wrong. I had layered over him what I thought he was saying, which became a truth in my head, which when I regurgitated it again, just because that's what they say in the relationship books you should do, even though I knew what he said, he just looked at me like I landed from another planet. It's like, how did you get there from what I just said? And bless him, they just have to take a deep breath and try again using clearer language (laughs) until I was able to hear what he was saying to me yeah, yeah. and it, it take that takes practice oh yeah you know? I, I failed practice and practice yeah and you're still going to fail and to listeners we're, we're, we're all still failing you know sometimes I look at my relationships and think hmm, I'm a relationship and divorce coach and I just did that wow you know we forget our, our conditioning our family of origin stuff, uh, 
all the stories you, you know you've touched on telling stories in your head about what this other person's saying all that stuff comes in comes crashing in but it's about being again going back to the vulnerable word the v word mm. being vulnerable enough to go oh i just messed that up whoops and even verbalizing that to your partner or to your kids you know my kids are my greatest teachers in terms of relationship because you know I do know everything. Just ask them. <laughs> except when I except when I don't. And they're just like, Mum, I just need you to listen here. So we now have the one of them will come and particularly my son, and he'll just say, I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to solve this. I just need you to listen. Okay. Yeah. So he doesn't even need to say to say the the two qualifying the two intro sentences anymore. He's like, I just need you to listen to something, right? Yep, cool. Oh, that's I such a great zip. thing to bring I up. And I just nod and mm-hmm, 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 allow him to speak. And I wait for the silence at the end that indicates he's done. I'm just like, do you need anything else from me? And the conversation goes on. And I think that is a really powerful thing that you can bring to any relationship. I know that's an interaction between my son and I, and that dynamic has come about because I, I could fix everything for him. Of course I could. I was his mother. So speak over the top and fix it all. Um, but I think we, we can use that same skill set in an intimate partner relationship whereby I can go and say, look, I've got this thing, these things happen today at work. I just need to vent. I just need to dump. I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. Spill, blurt, blurt. and as the, as the listening partner, just listen. You just give that, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Wait for the silence at the end that indicates that person has finished speaking and then you can offer, gee, that sounds like it was hard. Or do you need anything else from me? Do you need a hug? Yeah. The waiting for the silence thing is so key, isn't it? And I think we've, you know, we've learned this training as coaches that we we get to see on a daily basis, right? That it often looks like somebody's finished and they're really not. There's a processing that happens at the end of a sentence that somebody needs to almost let that sentence land on you and then you wait a bit longer and then comes another morsel of truth and it's usually gold it's usually Mm -hmm. gold and if we dive in and start trying to fix and help or solve or even support and say like oh I've got you don't worry god what a bitch (laughs) you know we've destroyed that opportunity for the gold and I have to hands up say as a coach, I'm incredible at it. As a wife, I suck. (laughs) (laughs) And my husband is incredible. He's learned to adapt. So he will come to me and say, I need to talk to you and I need you to put your coach hat on. And that's our code for it, where he's saying, I need you to listen to me as carefully as you listen to your clients, you know? And we've had to like, we've had to learn that in our relationship as well to actually to voice that, not just dive in and say like, oh, this is the kind of day I've had an offload on our partner. But if, of course we're not perfect, but if we have the presence of mind to be able to say to each other, look, I'm about to just vomit and I really just need to put this somewhere. Would you mind hearing it? And like, I'll probably need you to agree with everything I say because that's the kind of mood I'm in, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And there's the other days where you're like, look, I actually really need your help figuring something out. So I'm going to need advice. Like, so be listening to give me advice because they're two very different outcomes 
from the same vomit of conversation, aren't they? But we've had to learn how to say what we need because otherwise, yeah, the poor other person is going, well, I was just listening, but you want advice now? Wait, what? I what? I hadn't engaged that part of my brain. Oh, now I'm stuck. Say everything again. <laughs> so it's, it's I know something in there that you said, sorry, and I'm no, look ahead. at me. I'm talking over the top of you. We're I thought you finished. great at that, Sally-Anne. Go ahead. <laughs> um, there was something in there that you said, it was, and it was about asking for what you need. So it goes back to really knowing as the as the speaker in that conversation what you what what it is that you need. I need you to listen. I need you to help me solve this problem. Mm. I need you to understand that something happened that hurt me. So being able to before you enter into that conversation, before you go and interrupt someone cleaning the car or writing a blog or whatever they're doing. Before you approach, knowing what it is that you're bringing. I'm bringing a problem to be solved. I just want to vomit. I just need to dump. Um, Or we have something that we need to work through together. It's not a my problem that happened at work. It's a we problem that happened yesterday when we were driving and we had that argument and we haven't resolved it. So really understanding, and it comes back to, you know, tapping into your listening to your body, how you're feeling, you know, doing all the somatic stuff and then analysing and sort of working out what do I need out of this conversation? Why am I bringing this? Why am I opening it? Mm. And what am I hoping to achieve? That allows you to open the conversation in a way that in, in the, the, in a way that you are likely to get more likely to get your needs met. That's gold, Sally-Anne being able to start off a conversation. What am I feeling? Why am I opening this conversation? And what am I hoping to achieve? If we could all, <laughs> as I say, I'm laughing, I'm laughing at myself. I'm like, I am so not perfect and will fail at this every single day <laughs> in my marriage. But if I could remember to start more hard conversations with those three, you know, especially I think that this is what I'm feeling. Because when we mm-hmm. stuff that part, I know for myself, I was trained to stuff my emotions, as I'm sure most women raised to be good girls. Don't let your emotions out. Those are ugly. Sit on them. You know, breathe. I'm really good at faking that I'm okay when I'm not. But when I open conversations from that place, they rarely go a good way. So mm. it's a, it's been a skill to learn. And of course, it takes trust as well. You know, that building trust in a relationship to come and say, I'm actually feeling really wobbly. And I know it's not your fault because we have a great relationship, but in the story I'm telling myself, thank you, Brene Brown, for that. The story I'm telling myself (laughs) is that you're secretly packing your bags to leave. That's the state I'm in as I bring up that thing you said to me in the car yesterday. (laughs) Like having to do that because otherwise, I just look like a giant bitch going, I want to talk about that thing you said to me yesterday, which has got no clue that I'm suffering and in deep self-doubt and doubting the relationship and scared and need a hug. (laughs) Mm. Mm. And I think that stuffing of, of emotion, that's the key there. We are taught to do that. We are conditioned to do that in so many ways. Um, And being giving yourself permission to actually feel the feeling even if you're not ready to voice it but giving yourself permission to 
really, really feel it um, is powerful in shifting that. So the first step is, yeah, really feeling into your body, what is it that I'm feeling? And, you know, you, the story that you, the the fictional story that you just shared then was that you're feeling fear. You're feeling fear that he's packing his bags and he's going to leave. So, and a lot of it, a lot of times it does come down to fear, whether it's he's leaving or he's having an affair or we've got no money or whatever it is. A lot of those things come down to fear. So if you can get down underneath the rage, the whatever it is, um, to the true emotion, the true feeling and acknowledge that, allow it, allow it to be part of the story. Mm, This is a story I'm telling myself. Yes, thank you, Brene Brown. And bring the story to your partner. You know, I'm feeling afraid that X, Y, Z. It's a story I'm telling myself, but can we talk about it? Um, massive shift, massive shift in relationship. But again, it takes the, the vulnerable, yeah. takes, you know, it takes being vulnerable. And yes, to be vulnerable, we need to trust. But those two things build on one another. The more you can trust, the more you can be vulnerable, the more you've, the more you show up vulnerably and even though it's not great, you know, I don't love the word authentic because I think it's overused, but, you know, you show up vulnerably, vulnerably, Mm -hmm. I need to put my teeth back in um, and authentically that, that promotes further trust. So one doesn't come without the other. No, that they, you know, they feed feed and build. And and trust grows. And I think, intimacy in conversation really grows as well you know p and i were just talking the other day about um some diy or something he did in my house like six years ago when we first met and i and he was questioning me why i didn't admit at the time that i wasn't really 100 percent happy with the work that he did and i said i didn't know you well enough to know that you could take criticism And it was a real kind of cool moment for us to sit and go like, wow, look how far we've come. I mean, bless him now. I just fire criticism at him all the time. He can take it. (laughs) But (laughs) it was kind of eerie or weird for me to think back that there was a point in my relationship with this person where I, we had not yet built that trust where I could feel that I could just say everything that was on my mind to him. And it was kind of cool for us to sit now, you know, since like we engaged, got married and go like, wow, we, we're growing. It's a sign of growth to be able to yeah. walk through all of that and almost like forgive six year ago me and say like, well, you know, you did the best you could at that stage in the relationship. And I think that's another thing sometimes people don't realize at the start of a relationship that it will grow if you're working on it right mm. it doesn't have yeah. to start out perfect i mean look, there's no such thing as perfect right you're both two humans therefore not perfect building a relationship between you that will never be perfect because it will only be the sum of its parts which is two i mean if you're a human you're a mess so two messes working together on this one thing that's a mess that you love because it's your mess <laughs> so under- yeah, and i think the key well, there is go the key there is two people working on it so you know if we go back to the two pillars holding up the plate if only one of you is doing the work that's not going to work mm. if, that's not going to be a successful healthy happy relationship the same with trust if if only one of you is showing up vulnerably 
and authentically and bringing speaking your truth and and sharing openly and the other's not able doesn't have capacity doesn't mean they're a bad person they don't have capacity to to also step forward and hold up the plate with you then it's not going to work I think that's it comes back to you saying there is not that perfect person and I agree to I I don't think there's a perfect person there's a person that you find who is willing to put in the same amount of work as you are into building something messily gorgeous together. And that's a different search. You know, that's not about height and body stats and what kind of job they have and what kind of dog they've got. That's an entirely different search. You know, I kind of, I knew that when I met my husband was like, oh, you're, because even as a friend, he was willing to be uncomfortable with me he was willing to be vulnerable with me he was willing to share truthfully about himself in a way that I'd never experienced before I was like oh mm. this is different this is a this is a component that has been missing to my other relationships where there wasn't that willingness to be vulnerable and I knew that this relationship as we you know fell in love I knew that this had a better chance because of that, that's what he was bringing. He was like, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to talk about hard stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm in. I, I want yeah. that, you know. So damn sexy. It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you know, before I'd been so blinded by and of course as I say this by the way my husband is hot and funny and all of the things but before it accepted just that oh he's hot he's funny we have a good laugh together doesn't really talk about his feelings and doesn't really have any female friends huh but hey mm, (laughs) you know ignoring all of the red flags you know so to Mm -hmm. meet someone who like that he could just I know it sounds so straightforward but he's willing to talk about his feelings and to me that just prove that he's ready to be in a relationship boom yes indeed willing to talk about feelings and having capacity to do that ready to be in a relationship yeah because it as we said at the top of the conversation there is no one perfect person there is no one perfect thing it's not going to be perfect you need someone who's going to jump in the trenches with you when it's hard as well as celebrate all the great stuff when it's when it's going super well you know you need to actually be able to have a conversation with someone as well as have hot sex or whatever the thing is for you you know to talk about the hard stuff is and be be willing to go there is really super sexy and also super supportive to healthy relationships yeah Let's touch for a moment, Sally-Anne, what if you've tried the conversations, you know, you've, you've both brought everything you could to the table and it's just not working because we're humans, right? We, we grow and sometimes we grow apart and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in it. What would you say to someone who's listening to this thinking, oh shit, I think I need a divorce. Have the hard conversation. Mm. Um, take that lovingly, self-lovingly to your partner and say, we've done all the things. We've tried all the things. You know, you deserve a great life. I deserve a great life. However you, however you frame it. Mm. Um, I think it's time for us to unravel 
basically, and unpick our together life and create two parallel lives. Parallel if you have kids. Um, If you don't have children, there are still going to be connections that you have to unravel, you know, roots that go deep. If you've been together a really long time, um, you've got lots and lots of shared connections. So I think compassion and self-love are really key in unpacking a relationship and divorcing. It's not always possible. It's not always possible to keep it amicable. And, you know, one of the main reasons you're getting divorced is because you haven't been able to have the hard conversations and resolve your conflict. Mm. So reach out and build a support team. Now, that can be a coach. Of course I'm going to say grab a coach because they're great, fantastic (laughs) in supporting you to have these hard conversations. But whatever your team, support team looks like, build it so that, You've got what I call catches, people to catch you when you fall over a little bit and or if you, or if you get wobbly. Um, but most importantly, have the hard conversations, try and keep them calm and kind and compassionate and focus on the future that you want for yourselves and if you've got children for your children. Um, and also lots and lots and lots of self regulation nervous system regulation dialing down your emotions so that you can step into those conversations without it tipping into volcanic eruptions Mm. that's such clear advice about the soothing the nervous system when we face any change the nervous system freaks out right the amygdala starts going we're gonna get eaten alive this is the end of our life all systems on panic you know Mm -hmm. and I you know like I said I've never been divorced but I've left a long-term relationship and I just remember I was 33 at the time and I thought I was done I thought I was too old (laughs) ever be loved again (laughs) and I you know and my financial situation was changing drastically and I, I honestly it felt like the end of my life it felt like the end of my life. And it was that time that I started a meditation practice. And honestly, I think it saved me from going off the deep end because it just helped me sit and in a safe space for myself, feel what I was going through. You know, just that understanding of you're gonna be terrified and you're gonna be in panic. Of course you are. It's a massive change. Yeah, I, I think if we could give listeners who are sitting in that space of that, oh, dear, this is about to blow up or should I stay, should I go, it's that. Learn or upskill yourself, give yourself whatever you need to give to dial down that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response so that you're not in amygdala hijack. You're not all the time. Some of the time you're going to be because it's a really massive life change. So, of course, you're going to be triggered and activated, but... If you can self-soothe, if you can dial down that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response in whatever way works for you, whether it's cold water swims, meditation, medication, coaching, therapy, long runs, whatever. Really, really, really important in it supporting you to move through what is going to be a really really hard time um and also just keeping a focus on the future which as a coach that's where we start as a coach that's where i start with my clients how do you want this to look and feel two five ten even 20 years time 
how do you want your life to look and feel? Let's focus on that feeling, those things, those values that you want to be living by and bring them back into the now as you move through this crap storm that your divorce could potentially be. So if you hold on to those feelings and those values and dialing down your nervous system, your reactivity, self-soothing can help you to do that. If you hold on to those values, those feelings, and act, behave, speak, communicate in accordance, you are less likely to tip into a high conflict, separation, divorce. Note I say less likely because it is dependent on the other human on the other side as well, okay? And I often, when I talk about this, I often credit Michael, my ex-husband, he's really calm. He's he's really calm, very measured in his communication, and I was the volcano. So I do credit him for our amicable separation without one calm person. If you've got two volcanoes, it's a, it's a mess. So if you can be the calm person, if you can be the compassionate, measured regulated human it invites the other person to also step in and be less of a volcano hand on heart that was me (laughs) (laughs) lovely of you to admit and have grown from that but also lovely for that reminder to it always comes back to self-care self-compassion and loving ourselves no matter what like you're gonna be scared and if you're listening to this and you're like i think I need a divorce but it feels wrong it doesn't necessarily mean that it is wrong it's that your nervous system will do anything to protect you from doing anything that feels icky so Mm. you might be feeling nervous and terrified and worried about the future so that advice to self-regulate but also get help get a support and I for one Sally Ann I hope I never need you but I'm really glad. <laughs> I'm really glad that you followed this path because I do think it's something missing. Somebody who is different from a therapist, different from the lawyer who's going to fight for your rights, but actually keeps you focused on your the reason you're getting divorced is because you imagine a better future for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Helping people to lean into that future with somebody like you who can help bridge that gap and know that they will get there. It's an incredible service. And meanwhile, if you're going into a relationship, looking for one or already in one, I think stopping before we need Sally Ann (laughs) and having these deep conversations, hard conversations that are so much not about you're right, I'm wrong, and way much more about what are we building here and how Mm. that's the help I really love that what are we building here and how what are we building here and how do we want to build it yeah it's a good question isn't it because that would trip up someone who's not in it for the work (laughs) (laughs) what are we building here well I'm going out with my friends I don't know what you're doing okay (laughs) (laughs) okay bye off you go and I'll be going over here looking for something else Sally and I do have one more question for you. How I always round out the podcast is to ask you to reveal even more than you've already been so generous at revealing yourself today. Could you tell us about some shit you do or used to do for love? 
What's your shit you do for love? Mm. I did used to silence my voice. Mm. Stay quiet in the moment and allow it to build. The resentment would build and then the volcano would erupt. Um, And I, yeah, there are times in my relationship past where I look back and go, oh, those words, they were not kind words. Or even the words were kind, but the tone was just. So now I really try. So that's the shit I did. The Mm. shit I did was to silence my voice until I couldn't silence it anymore. So the shit I do now is to really feel into my body. Mm. And and I am a work in progress, like we all are. I'm human. I'm messy. Feel into my body. Ouch. What is that? What is that feeling telling me? What are the what do I need to speak here? And the how. How am I going to speak it? Mm. So there's there's the shit I did, and there's the shit that I'm working new on. Good, new good shit that you're working on. Really, yeah, the good shit I'm working on. I love that. sally Ann, thank you so much. You've been so generous. And there are, there's probably, I did tell you, I'm not going to ask you like, what's your top 10, 10, 20 tips, but I think you actually did give us about 20 tips, just holding beautiful stories. Thank you again for your time. You've been amazing. Thanks so much for having me. It's been an amazing conversation, fun, and I hope also uh, helpful to anybody listening. I'm sure it will be, and they will be getting in touch if they need you, which I hope they don't. But hey, one day. How flustered did I get at the end there? I I mean, go fine, but I hope you don't. It's awkward, isn't it? Because look, chances are you're going to get divorced or have a breakup at some point in your life. I'm just not wishing it on you. But if you're there and you need Sally, oh, go get her. It's, you know, that's what I hope you never need her. But she's so amazing, isn't she? And her voice. I've got a major girl crush on her now. So I hope you don't need her. But if you do, that's okay. Of course it is. All of us are very likely to at some point in our lives. Go find her. She's at Reflect coaching.com.au because she's Australian. Um, I will put a link in the show notes. All of my Australian friends are about to call me and tell me off for that accent. And Sally Ann has got a handy guide for you on how to have hard conversations. So, I mean, that's handy to have in any kind of relationship that you have with humans. And Sally Ann really knows her stuff. So go get a copy of that on her website. I will pop a link into the show notes and not do any more bad Australian accents. Meet me over in the next episode where I talk you through some of the nervous system calming practices that Sally and I mentioned in this chat. And if you're not already getting gorgeous email reminders from me about the pod, make sure you're on my mailing list. You can sign up at wendywindle.com and you'll get my free guide to building boundaries that get back time for you. As a little thank you for signing up to hear about the pod. You deserve time for you. Till next time, I bloody love you.